0: Welcome to another edition of Health Kick. I'm Tim Borum. Well, the idea of controlling extra bodily functions by thought alone rather than movement sounds a bit science fiction-y or or, or the stuff of spoon benders. But in in reality, uh, the power of intentional thought is already being harnessed to improve the ability of physically impaired people to communicate and, and to perform tasks. Now, the recently listed control bionics Is a world leader in using the body's electrical signals to fulfill a communication uh, or or other function. Uh, The idea is that as long as some muscle still exists, these neuroelectric signals can be turned into commands via computers or or other devices. Control Bionics uh, has approved products on the market already and is generating revenue both here and in the US. Now, I've got with me the company's CEO, Rob Wong, to tell us why this is good news for those with conditions such as motor neuron disease, multiple sclerosis, and spinal cord injuries. Um, So, uh, welcome, Rob.
1: Thanks very much, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Now, Rob, uh, control bionics uh, plays in the field of, I think, what's known as augmentative and alternative uh, communications um, and, and there are a few uh, products out there uh, already. Um, yep. so, so can you sort of describe the exact uh, problem which control bionics has a solution for? In, in, in other words, I guess I, I guess I'm asking you what your key products do and, and, and can you describe them?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the, traditionally, the um, in the augmentative communication market, the standard technology that has been um, in use for the last 20 years has been eye gaze technology. And that technology works by infrared light shining on your screen and you looking around the screen and it tracking where your eyes are looking as the cursor moves. So you can move the cursor with your eyes. Um and the way that you take action on the screen is to dwell on a particular part of the screen. It might be like a virtual keyboard, which you'd take in a letter R-O-B, and you'd have to look at each of those for a certain period of time to be able to select them. And whilst that technology has been terrific, um, it's only suitable for people with um, who have control over their eyes. And when we looked at that whole space, uh, we said that you know a lot of the signals that could be actioned to the computer could come through the skeletal muscles of of the body, even though um, there may not be much signal going through. And we developed a wireless wearable device called the Neuronode, which can go on any part of the body where we can find a, a viable muscle that is getting any sort of a signal from the brain. And the beauty of that is that we can often find places for very severely disabled people, whether they're, uh, it's an ALS situation or a spinal cord injury, where they have a viable intent, brain intent that can be picked up um, on a particular muscle. And so um, we've been very successful in being able to reliably get a signal for that. And what we've done most recently is combine that with eye gaze technology where a person can look at the, at the screen but make a signal through a muscle in their body. And it could be a jaw clench. We could have the device over the masseter muscle in in your jaw. It could be um, your finger flexion um, that you you may not even be able to see the finger moving, but we can often pick up the intent that comes from that finger inflection. And so suddenly you get someone who can look at the screen, move the cursor and essentially um, create a mouse click from their brain that controls the action of the computer and the benefit of that compared to traditional communication technology is that we can now do something that is faster in terms of words per minute being able to communicate almost conversational and you can also uh, it's a lot less fatiguing for the user to be able to um, experience long-term use of the technology because they don't have the constant eye pressure of, of dwelling and, and looking at a particular part of the screen to action it. So overall, we have something which is more flexible, faster, and um, certainly a lot less fatiguing. And we think that, and we know, that product is world-class and there's nothing like that that's putting these things together around the world.
0: And how much faster is it than, say, the uh, traditional eye gaze uh, technology which, which you refer to?
1: Yeah, it's two things. One, is it's faster straight up in terms of the ability because you, with a dwell system, you have to wait for a certain period of time before it acts. So you have to look at a letter for, so let's say, a second or half a second before it will react. Um, with our technology, you simply just need to look at the letter. And if you can immediately take an action, you can be selecting that letter in a microsecond and then moving on to the next one. So, it's extremely fast at a minimum um it's um you know we think it's one hundred and thirty three percent faster at a minimum, but but we've had users which are significantly higher than that, and more importantly, because of the fatigue drop, people can use um the computer for a lot longer than they have been able to in the past. Um, so it's 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 exciting in terms of you know an innovation in that market, and we're going to take it to the world now. You know, with our capital raising, our brief really now is to how many more people in the world can we help change their lives with this technology and making it you know faster and easier to use and helping people to become more enabled.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. So so tell us more about the commercialisation. I mean, you you mentioned the capital raising. You uh, re- recently listed. Uh, so, um, h- how do you plan to, to roll out the two products, which you mentioned, uh, a newer node and the other one is, is Trilogy.
1: Yeah, which which combines the eye gaze technology. Yeah, uh, we're rolling out both. We we certainly have a presence in Australia through the NDIS, um, and we're we're very very successfully selling um, the product um, in Australia and SLPs in Australia absolutely loving it. Um, so we're expanding the market in Australia. We we have a footprint already in the United States out of Cincinnati, and we've got a developing sales team across the United States. So we expect the United States to really um, start ramping up in the next, uh, certainly in the next uh, financial year. And the the, the next phase, other exciting thing is we're we're launching into, into Japan. And we think that's going to be an exciting market, 137 million people. Um, and the competitive environment there is completely different, really f- because of the language barrier. But we've got a very, very good entry point in there with a, already a, a, a Japanese team on the ground and working very strongly with JETRO, the, uh, the Japanese Economic Trade Organization.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. So, so, so more about Japan later. Um, and, at the moment, you're... Um... Uh, deriving revenue from, from both Australia and the US, uh, uh, aren't you? Is is, is, Australia the, is Australia the dominant market at the moment? You, you mentioned the NDIS support, which must help.
1: Yeah, it's probably US just because of the scale. Um, so it's about 60-40 at this stage in terms of revenue split. Um, but we expect the US will grow as a percentage um, even though Australia will continue to grow, uh, just because of the nature of the market, you know, um, 220 million people, big market. Um, certainly, challenges with insurance funding in terms of the US market, but um, massive growth opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, on, on that funding, it, it's quite important, isn't it? Because um, I, I imagine um, a lot of the most of the users or on, on their families, they probably don't have too much money to spare, so. Subsidies would be pretty important, I I would imagine.
1: Absolutely, and and even before listing, like we've spent a lot of the last three years opening up the insurance models, you know, in the states. Like we're Medicare approved in the United States, we've got our FDA mark in already in this in the United States, which is a massive um, entry point. We're already um, approved with the Veterans Administration, you know, one of the biggest um, military hospitals groups anywhere in the world. And you know we're already selling equipment into, into those markets. So we've opened up a lot of the barriers. Like it's great to have technology and it's terrific to be able to say it works, which we know ours does re- very reliably. But it's another thing also to have the insurance funding side done so that people who, as you rightly point out, Tim, you know, a lot of these people who are in this situation are in desperate situation and they just don't have the money to be able to afford this equipment, so funding's really, really critical, and will be critical in terms of our focus on the type of markets that we grow out in internationally.
0: Yeah, okay. And and what um, what type of uh, disabilities is your product most relevant to? Um, you, it, it, it's not suitable for the, for the whole s- sort of cohort of wheel, wheelchair-bound people who can't communicate. It you've got to have some muscle function for a start, don't you?
1: Well, you have to have—you um, don't have to actually have the muscle working. What you need to do is have the intent coming down the motor neurons sure. Um, sure. to be splaying across the muscle. So you, often you won't even see the muscle moving to be able to to work. But you're right in terms of the audiences you know, who we suit. It's the most severe end of the of the disability spectrum where people have sound minds. Um, but are often locked in physically in terms of their body so they can't speak most, most likely and often they can't move effectively. So our device is able to um, give them back and I had a recent client who was um, had a full quadriplegic for 40 years and um, I was testing him because he was using the device, wanted to use the device on his jaw because above his neck he had some jaw function using the device really, really well. And he was very happy and then I just said to him, mate, would you mind if I tested your hands? You know, because he's, you know, this particular gentleman, you know, his hands just sit straight out in front of me. He hasn't used them at all functionally for 40 years. And I said, I'd just like to try the Neuronode under your, under your palm to see whether you, you could still send a signal there. And he said, well, that's not going to work. And so amazingly, we put the device underneath the palm of his hand. And I said, I want you to think about... Um, just gripping, you know, gripping a handlebar and couldn't do it for a minute. And then all of a sudden, beep, uh, the the uh, device was able to pick up that tent. And I said, mate, for 40 years, you've been using, you haven't had a use of that arm, but I can move it back to functional in terms of being able to control a pewter. And he said that was absolutely life-changing for him.
0: Yes, yes, I imagine, uh, I imagine it would have been. Um, and and what, what other examples have, have you got out there where uh, products made a real difference?
1: Yeah, I mean, just recently I, I, I had a, um, a poet um, who, who, again, um, full ALS um, patient, and um, we, we trialled the device. Her, nothing else was working um, in terms of her communication. Um, we went in with the device and um, her comment was simply um, via email was, I'm back. Yeah. which is, you know, what more could you ask for help for people to be able to engage with life, to be able to text their friends by mobile phone? You know, a lot of our a lot of our relationships these days are virtual. You know, we think about my son emails me or, or texts me a message, but his personality comes through the text. And, you know, when you walk in someone who's completely disabled, it's pretty confronting. And yet if you can give them back the ability to send text, which we can do, suddenly they're back in the game, you know, because you receive a text from a friend, it's contextual, you know, understanding the relationship that you have with them. And we think that's enormously exciting and we think that extends life for people who, um, you know, would otherwise be locked in.
0: So, so in theory, if you didn't know the person had a disability, if you're communicating via text or email or Instagram or whatever, um, you, yeah, you just wouldn't know.
1: You wouldn't know. And, and it enables people, like it's a very difficult thing when someone gets a quadriplegic injury or uh, begins to have a condition like MND, that friends, you know, it's tough. It's really, really tough to see someone that you've known fully um, to suddenly be in such a tragic situation. So lots of people rally around early, and then it's very difficult to sort to, to of make regular visits um, and so what happens is the communication drops off and what we're finding with our technology is that we're able to put people back in the game. I had a gentleman in Singapore and he had golfing mates and he would completely lost touch with them and yet we were able to show him with the technology how we could easily text um, his mates and now regularly um, he just on, on group dial he just gets in and says hey, mate, hey guys what's going on you know and he's back in the game and you know, that's what our proposition is—to help people be more engaged with life through the technology that we've created.
0: Uh, that's that's terrific. How, how many uh, units have you sold uh, to date, Rob?
1: Well, we're just clocking up over three hundred. So, um, and and the system—you know—it's a niche market, obviously. Um, it costs around twenty thousand dollars yes. to to have that equipment, um, but we know that it's extending. We've got clients in Australia, you know, with MND, and we know. From, the, from what they've told us, that communication has been the single most important thing that has helped them um, get through their, their, their current predicament. And obviously with MND, we can't save what's going on um, to their condition, but we can certainly help them along the way with the journey and make it as rich as possible in terms of being able to connect with family and friends.
0: How much does that uh, cost you? You cite uh, twenty thousand um, dollars. How much does that compare with the uh, current methods, uh, notably um, eye gazing systems?
1: Yeah, we think it compares competitively um, very well in terms of you know what we're offering. Um, given that our technology offers so much more flexibility, like it, you get an eye gaze system with our technology, you get the Neuronode with our technology. You can use them together for faster speed and less fatigue. But also later on, as as conditions progress, you can also just use the neuronode by itself um, to engage with the computer, even after eyesight fails um, and and even you know movement. like we might start off with using the neuronode on a forearm and then suddenly the disease takes that position. But then we can move and duck and weave and suddenly we can move to a you know, to a position on the jaw or a position on another body part. So having a system that's flexible like that over the period of funding, because you only get one system every four years, you know, in your funding allowance, we think having flexibility in the system is fundamental to providing value for money. So overall, we think we provide enormous value for money for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Terrific. And, and from an investor point of view, um, your your revenue in the March quarter was about seven hundred thousand, um, yep, and, and, and two million in the uh, December half. Um, yep. So it was a bit slower in the current quarter on, on an annualised basis. Um, yeah. What were the reasons behind that?
1: Well, largely um, our pipeline's fairly long, so we had some effects of of COVID, just uh, residual effects of COVID. Really, we're starting to see that. COVID is is having less of an impact on our business, but that impacted us. But more importantly, we know we're a young small company. We're 25 people, and we, when we went to IPO, and a lot of the investment that we are doing now is is setting our business up for a completely different trajectory. Um, and that's just taken some uh, a little bit of time to get our team um, in place to, to play a much, much bigger game as a global brand. I mean, we, we don't want to be small. We want to reach as many people as we can with this technology. And we think we've got a massive opportunity, but we have to set the business up to be able to do that. And that sort of... Short period of um, of gearing is reflected in terms of, you know, where we're at with that. Fundamentally, uh, we think there's massive opportunity for what we're doing. How, how do you see
0: the size of the addressable market uh, in, in, in the US and, and, and Japan in particular, which you men- mentioned earlier?
1: Well, we've, we've, if we just look at identified cases of people who come in like cerebral palsy, um, uh, ALS, um, quadriplegic injury, traumatic brain injury... Uh, we think the market um, opportunity is around $1.2 billion. So we know there's plenty of room for us to really, really rapidly grow in in that market. And, you know, we're coming off a base of just starting to commercialise, um, but successfully commercialising in terms of the, um, the previous year, you know, running on $3 million. So we think we're on track to do uh, an exciting story over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, and, and in terms of yourself, in terms of commercialization, that that's your background, isn't it? Uh, because the 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 product itself evolved from uh, Queensland University, um, and Correct. A computer was there, didn't it? But, but you've got you, you've done some things in the past to um, uh, in digital space.
1: Yeah, my expertise particularly is is in is in, um, in commercialising um, businesses and entrepreneurship, and I came onto the business. Uh, really having sold out of another business and been really in a quite comfortable position you know in terms of I sold my got my mortgages, that was good. Um, but and wasn't really looking to do a startup again. And then when you see what this technology can do for people and when you you know understand what that can do, I was just enthralled by it. I presented to the board what I thought the strategic direction of the business could be. and then the founder Peter Ford, came to me and said, you know Rob, do you think you'd like to implement this? And it was a twenty-four hour decision to come back and say, you know what, I would like to do this, and I will be an investor in the company. So, and, and that's how we started.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so in in essence, what did Peter Ford bring along? What what's the company's secret sauce? Is it is it the algorithms? The uh, yeah, the, the software. It's,
1: it's, well, it's the algorithms in terms of the, the technology and the robustness of it. And that was one of the key investment decisions that I made when I first said came into the business as CEO. Um, so definitely the one thing that I invested in was this technology works. And that was the fundamental. What it needed from that particular point in time was us to start to think about how we commercialise it into you know consumable technology that we can sell to insurance companies and sell to end users but peter ford has been amazing i mean his inspiration to actually say you know what everyone's trying to do brain eeg things out of the out of the brain and yet there's a broadband capability of speed and action that's coming out through the spine why don't we measure those thoughts as they come out through the spine and that that was an inspirational thought about how we could engage of the brain and intent. And we did five years of work. Peter did five years of work um, having, you know, Professor Stephen Hawking um, look at our technology and and come back many times to, to Peter and say, Pete, this is not working. You need to fix it. But what a great master for us to have a think about in terms of the core technology to guide us on the future. But having, you know, be able to say, Professor Stephen Hawking, um, was involved in our development process. Okay. So, did he
0: actually use the um, user user system? He,
1: he used the inter, he he trial the individual systems. He never used it as such because it was a very raw technology back then. When we when he did it, um, he had a different type of technology that he used, which was a a, a flexion under his um, under his glasses, um, but. He was very useful to Peter in guiding him on the technology. And we think now we've well surpassed any of the technology that, that Professor Stephen Hawking was using all those years ago. And we know that our technology by far is is leading the market. And, you know, our technology um, does things like um, take out seizure um, intent and just leave the communication signal. So that sort of stuff in the smarts in the system is, uh, we think, world-class, obviously patented um, and you know, but we also realise that if we're going to maximise the opportunity here, we have to grow internationally, and that's what we're doing with the capital raise.
0: Excellent, great. All right. Well, look, it sounds like uh, thought control is uh, not a fantasy; um, it, it's reality, but it's not a, um, a sinister notion. It's being put to uh, to really good use. Th- thanks, Rob, for uh, sparing the time to uh, to update us and um... You're uh, obviously making a, um, a big difference to these users. We'll be uh, interested in uh, how the uh, Control Bionics uh, story pans out.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I think we're a business doing good. And I think um, the point is that we are a business and we think there's massive growth opportunity for us.
0: Ed, excellent. Thanks, Rob.